Welcome to the Grace Place Weekly Podcast. No matter your size, age, shade, or background, here you'll receive compelling lessons suited to help guide your walk with Christ and your relationships with others. Please join us now for this week's podcast, recorded live from Grace Place in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, I want to read a verse to you from Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Luke chapter 2, if you'll open your Bibles there, please. Luke chapter 2, beginning with the 22nd verse. Luke 22, excuse me, 2, 22. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 22. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. So they took him to Jerusalem and to offer a sacrifice, verse 24, in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was a righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. Would you say that? As you have promised. You now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all people. Everybody say all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And, Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul also. They took Jesus to the temple to dedicate him. We've done this in our church, dedicated children. As a matter of fact, today we have a number of people here that have driven uh, 500 miles, several hundred miles, several people to come to this baby dedication. I wanted to read that to you and tell you that it's scriptural for us to take this baby up in our arms and bless the child and that God has destined this child. So that's where we're going. That's what's going to happen here. But there's also a strong sense that God would dedicate you to your destiny today. That some of you would shake off your past, your history, shake off all the resistance that's come into your life and say, I'm headed for my destiny. Amen? And so I'm going to introduce to you one of the pastors of our church. He comes from Plymouth, Indiana, but Jack Kinney is here today to minister. We're going to dedicate his first grandchild to the Lord today. Would you make him welcome?
Uh, <clears throat> I'm done. Mick just preached my message. <laughs> so, uh, no, it's, it's so good to be here today with you. This is home. And uh, it's a really special day. The, the Vikings play the Packers. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, Lucy. is uh, going to be dedicated. And that's, uh, that's unbelievable to me. Gordy, where are you? 43 years ago, about this time of year, this guy came up to me at the old church and said, Hi, I'm Gordy. Put his hand out. I thought, my word, his hand's bigger than mine. This, he's a man. This dude is something else. And we became friends, 43 years. I was 19 years old, didn't know a thing. Now I'm 62 and with a grandbaby. Time goes quick. You better enjoy it. You better relish in the fact that you're here and God loves you and God cares for you and he's got a plan for you no matter what you think. There's a plan for Grace Place, a corporate plan for Grace Place, and there's an individual plan for you in Grace Place, and there's an individual plan for you if you're not at Grace Place. God knows what he's doing. So I'm going to try really quickly to... Uh, just say a couple words. Aaron says, Dad, you're never quick. But I'm going to try because I want to hear Mick. That's, that's what I'm here for. I, I told Randy a little bit ago when I was giving him the scriptures that uh, it's kind of like the opening band for an Elton John concert. I'm just up here, and then we'll get the main event on, and we're going we're gonna to party. We're going to have fun. So if you would and you have your Bibles, turn, please, to Joshua. Joshua, chapter 24, verses 13 through 15. I've got the amplified version. I'm going to read from that. NIV is real close. And this is Joshua at the end of his life. He's 110 years old. And basically, I'm going to condense it. What they're asking Joshua, who brought the children of Israel into the promised land who was a follower of Moses out when they crossed the Red Sea, who wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, they were basically asking Joshua, hey, what's the end of all this? What do you make of the whole thing? What should we do as the children of Israel? And he says in verse 13, I've given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities you didn't build, and you dwell in them right now. You eat from the vineyards and olive yards, and you didn't even plant them. That's a, good, that's a good deal. Yeah. Now, therefore, reverently fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Focus on this, if you would, with me, please. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the Euphrates. That means all the way back to the time when Abraham, the father of the faithful, was called out of Ur of Chaldees and came towards the promised land. He worshipped many gods. Okay, put away those gods that they served on the other side of 
the Euphrates, and serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day who you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers or Abraham served on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. In other words, they were in the promised land, but there were still people of other beliefs and nationalities, the Amorites that believed in plurality of gods and other gods too. So he said, that's what I want you to do. And you're a free moral agent. You can do whatever you want to do. But as for me and my house, what? We'll serve the Lord. Sparky said, we're just going to serve the Lord. When I read that scripture, I thought to myself, that's what I want to do. Because I'm going to serve the Lord. There were gods that they were things that we did when I was a child that my parents believed strongly in. That was on the other side of the river. There are gods in this world now that attract us. We can sell out to money. We can sell out to fame. We can sell out to fortune. So there's gods right now. But if I would say anything to my son-in-law and daughter and new grandbaby, we'll serve the Lord. It's just that easy. I remember so vividly the time that I decided that I wasn't going to serve the gods of other people and I was going to serve the Lord. And I dedicated myself at that time. I didn't know, but I look back, I dedicated myself to doing that. If I could say anything today to you, I want it to be in what your pastor said before I got up here. I want you to rededicate today. Dedicate to serving God. Not to what you were raised on, and not to what's going on around you, but just emphasize in your life, I'm going to make a stand, and I'm going to serve God. And that's just the way it's going to be. When I was 16 in 1973, my mom said, get ready for church. It was on Sunday night. Man, we were in church, that Pentecostal church, every time the doors opened up. Oh, my Lord. Uh, How many... We live there. We live there. And I went into my room, just had on a pair of cutoffs. We lived in a little house in Florida. And so dad went out the front door, mom went out the front door, and I followed him in my cutoffs. And she turned around and looked at me. She said, that's not church clothes. Get ready. And I said, I'm not going. Well, here's this little five-foot-three lady with her bun, she said, by God, you are going. Now, I was dedicating myself, and I didn't know it. I said, I don't believe like you do. Then I saw my dad at the car just looking, and I knew he thought, she'll handle this. And she walked back up, and she said, what did you say? Oh, I miss my mom, precious lady. I said, I'm not going. And I made a statement. I said, I love God, but I hate church. At 16, right? At 16. And she looked at me, bless her heart, 
And I'm standing down looking at her. All of a sudden, she just smacked me right in the face. I'd had that happen. We were disciplined different back then, okay? And I said, did you hear me? I love God, but I'm not going to church. Way back then, God had a plan for me. I wasn't going to run with the normal religious crowd. I was going to end up on Grace Place on the 15th of September, having a pastor and folks that I love dedicate my grandchild. He had something going on in my life. And I just rubbed my face. I'm not going. And then here came my dad back from the car. And I would describe that as, well, I just got slapped, but here comes the boom. And he walked up to me and said, okay, I heard that. I said, yes, sir. I love Jesus, but I'm not doing this anymore. I said, that pastor's an idiot at that church. Oh. He looked at me and he goes, yeah, he is. <laughs> and then my mom was getting ready to slap dad, I thought. And she's standing between us. And she said, oh, Jesus, and she's crying, and she didn't know what to do. And he said, well, here's the deal, son. As long as your feet are under my table, you'll at least go to Sunday school. But you don't have to go to church anymore, because I get it. I shook his hand. I said, that's a deal. My mom's upset. He grabs her and said, come on, Dorothy, we're going to church. I went to the Palm Plaza parking lot with my three friends, and we threw Frisbee till midnight, and I was so free. And we had a ball. And I woke up at four o'clock this morning, and I thought that freedom that I felt in that par- or that I felt in that parking lot in Florida in 1973 was the presence in God of me. He said, "You're going to serve the Lord. Your family's going to serve the Lord. You're not going to be religious and worship the gods of your fathers." You're going to try everything that you can and fall on my grace to stay away from the temptations and the gods that will be present with you. But I love you, and you're free. I'm telling you, and I'm going to wrap this up so quickly because I want to hear what Mick has to say. As a church, has anybody ever been haunted by the religious past? Go. I I see hands. Rededicate yourself today and say, that's in the past. It's over. I'm going forward. I'm going to enjoy God. I'm going to enjoy my walk with God. He says my burden isn't heavy. No, my yoke is easy. It's not hard. Religion makes it hard. Has anybody ever been so tied up, and I could point a few things, in business, in finances, that you don't know where it's coming in next? You don't know where the, the, where's the next job going to come from? What are we going to do? What's going to happen? For the last 12 years, I've been a disciple of, the, well, I've known him for 43, but I've been a disciple of this man. Cindy, I don't worry about finances like I used to, do I? Do I worry about it? No. What's been our best earning years the last 12 years? Because God has a plan for the Kinneys. Because God knows where we're at. And he knows what's best for us. And when I start chasing the other gods, when I start going after the almighty dollar myself, and I'm not preaching against money, don't get me that. But when I put something in front of him, I make a mistake. 
But when I rededicate myself and say, as for me and my house, we'll just serve the Lord. That's it. That's what we're going to do. The last thing that I want to wrap up, I had 50 minutes. I wanted to get it done in over 15, but the, I'll come back and try some more, okay? I think we need to do some Bible studies on this. The last thing that I want to uh, wrap up on this, uh, Randy, could you put up Matthew 11 for me, please? You might be saying to yourself, well, that's all well and good. You've been doing this a long time. I haven't. I don't, know how, I don't know if I've got the strength. I don't even know if I want to be Christian. It doesn't matter if you're Christian or not. You're saved. He's got you in his hands. You, you, there's nothing you can do about that. You're his. So why don't you join the party? Why don't you rededicate yourself today as our pastor is dedicating my grandbaby? You join in with us and rededicate yourself and just serve in the Lord. The scripture says in Matthew 11 and 28, and I'll read from the Amplified, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and you're overburdened. Anybody ever felt that way? Anybody feel that way today? Okay. And I'll cause you to rest. I will cause you. I'll make you rest if you'll come to me. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Now, this doesn't sound like a God that's tough to serve. Does it to you? He's going to ease, relieve, and refresh us. Take my yoke upon you and learn in me, for I'm gentle, meek, humble, lowly in heart, and you will find rest, relief, and ease and refreshment and the Amplified says, and recreation and blessed quiet for your soul. For my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, hard, sharp, or pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. And my burden is light and easy to bear. I want to encourage you today as a member of this church to rededicate as we dedicate this precious baby, I want to become like Lucy. I want to, she's asleep. I want to rest in God's arms and say, your plan is right for me. I trust it. I'm going to relax. I'm going to enjoy. And the walk that you give me and the plan that you've set forth in my life is the greatest thing that I can ever accomplish it's the greatest thing that I can ever do, and I want to direct all of my passions towards that. Can anybody today in the house that agrees with that say amen? Amen. 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 Mick, come on. Thank you. Thank you. So we're here to dedicate ourselves to the Lord. Would you stand with me again for just a moment? God has plans for you. God has a plan for your life. A very distinct and specific plan and has gifted you, each one of you, several gifts. It takes all of us together to be what Jesus was to the world. But you're a part of that. 
And so I want to set you free from the bondage of your past and the thinking maybe that you aren't worth anything. You are worth more, not worth less. God has placed marvelous gifts in your life. I'm going to talk to you for just a few minutes before we do the dedication part of the service about the plan of God for you. And I want to pray for you right now because what Jack just said, God's plan for you is to set you free. That's a part of the process right now. He's come to set you free. It's a new day. Today, we're going to dedicate our lives to the destiny that God has called us to. Lord, I pray that your spirit would anoint our minds and hearts and that we would receive the word spoken and what you're about to do in this place. And I pray in the name of Jesus that every heart, everybody in the room would say yes and amen to your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated. I want you to look at Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Acts, the second chapter. If you have your own Bible, you should underline this. If you have a, an electronic Bible, you should highlight this in your Bible. You should be able to come back to it and see it. Acts 2.22, it's not hard to remember those numbers. Acts 2.22 through 24. This is the day of Pentecost, and the Apostle Peter is preaching to the people who have witnessed the outpouring of the Spirit, and he's explaining to them what just happened. The outpouring of the Spirit has caused quite a stir in the city, and he goes back and he, he's reiterating the story of Jesus. And I'm going to just tell you from 22 to 24, kind of the central point. And I think all Christians need to hear this verse. Look up here just for a moment. What I'm about to read you to you from the Bible could change world history if people would believe these verses. Just this little bit. This is Acts 2, 22. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you, watch this very carefully, please, by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. God handed him over to you that was the set purpose, this is God's foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Freeing him, everybody say freeing. That's what we're talking about today. Freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. If you believe that, if you understand that, you would look back in history and understand that Christians who have been anti-Semitic have been confused for 2,000 years. All of the Christian wars, all of the crusades were crazy. God set the plan that Jesus would be crucified. It was God's plan and foreknowledge. And we've killed, Hitler killed six million Jews. Hitler called himself a Christian. He said, as a Christian, we've got these people killed Jesus. No, they didn't. He said, I lay my life down, and I will take it up again. God had a plan. He had a long plan. Listen carefully, and I'll give you some references. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he said to the serpent who tempted Eve, one is coming who will crush your head. We're putting Jesus in the plan. 
If some of you feel like you've been defeated, I'm telling you, Jesus came to crush the head of the spirit that has been against you. He said in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, to Abraham, I'm going to bless you like the stars of the heaven, and all families of the earth are going to be blessed through you. That's pointing to Jesus. Hallelujah. We are blessed, every family. I know it's different from other Christian traditions. Like Jack was saying, i got to set you free from the fear that all the religion of your past has put you in. Jesus, I'm going to jump forward. Are you ready? Somebody say, preach it. Jesus is the Savior. He's not, he's not selling tickets to salvation. He is the ticket. He doesn't make you a candidate for salvation. He came to save you. I know it's controversial, but I believe in Jesus more than my dad. I believe in Jesus more than my forefathers. I think Jesus is the same. When I'm, I'm jumping. Let me get back. Whoa, whoa, hey. Moses, when he said, take a lamb and sacrifice it and put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the lentils of your door, the Passover lamb, lamb, Jesus is our Passover. Moses was showing us the plan. God was revealing this plan. We call it prophecy. When he shows somebody ahead of time what he's going to do. Eve, I'm telling you that this one coming is going to crush the serpent's head. Abraham, I'm telling you, there's one coming. Every family on earth is going to be blessed. Please, somebody say every family. Say every family. Even if they don't know him, even if they haven't heard from him, even if they don't have a, church, a Christian church to go through, God Almighty has already done something. He said, Moses, kill that lamb, shed that blood. It was pointing to Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus was crucified by the plan of God. And God's plan from Adam to Jesus, listen, y'all, was almost 4,000 years from Adam to Christ, 4,000 years to work out God's plan, for God to work out the details. And he spoke, when Jesus spoke about the times that we're living in now, he talked about freedom. He came to set us free from nationalism. He came to set us free from gender inequality. Stay with me. He came to heal racial discord. He said, I'm going to include everybody. You are exclusive. I am inclusive. There's going to come a time when it won't be Greek or Jew, Gentile or Jew. There won't be men and women. There won't be slaves and free but everybody is going to be one. And we've been trudging toward that promise. America fights with its racial problems. Some of you still struggle with it. There's still gender inequality, but we're moving in the right direction. And I've come to dedicate a baby that's going to be the next generation. We're going to dedicate a girl on purpose. God sent her on purpose. Right now, there's something stirring in the heart of women. They're saying, you can't put me down anymore. That's God. That was part of the plan. Somebody say amen. amen. I, need a, I need a baritone all-male voice right now to say amen. amen. This is a, I love it, Nate. Thank you. This is a big plan, you guys. Angels showed up in a field with shepherds. And do you know what they said? 
Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth and goodwill to everybody. God has grace for everybody. Somebody shout praise the Lord. Today, a Savior has been born. Not a preacher, not a priest, not a pastor, not just another guy. The Savior. Somebody shout Savior. Not somebody trying to save us. Not somebody that might save us. Not somebody that we look at and say, well, he might be able to pull this off. No, the Savior has been born. He is the Savior. He's the Savior. Stevie's the Savior. He's not attempting. He's doing. A Savior has been born to you. When John the Baptist saw him, I'm preaching, I'm screaming, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the Somebody shout it. Behold the, shout it. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the, not just white people, not just church people, the whole wide world. The plan is coming to pass. God's plan is coming to pass. Look at him. Behold the Lamb of God. He's going to take away the sin of the world. What am I talking about? Not just the plan. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm preaching Jesus to you today. I'm telling you that God had a plan, and that was to save you. And nothing can stop it. Nothing can thwart his plans. He made a plan, and he's pulling it off. And people, listen, the difference between you and people who don't know is the joy. The joy you get from going, my God, he saved us all. Paul, I need to read 2 Corinthians 5. I think I gave these verses to them. I need to take a breath anyhow. My God, I'm almost out of my mind. I've waited for months to dedicate this baby. When I heard that Aaron was pregnant, the Holy Spirit said to me, she has a destiny. I said to Jack, I know the gender of that baby. He said, don't tell me. I said, I won't, but I'll write it down. And it's hanging inside my closet on the door from the day the Lord spoke to me and called her, her. And all this made sense because Jack broke out of religious madness, kept his children free from religious church scars, raised his kids to love Jesus. I know it's scary to say, but sometimes it's better for you to miss church if church is going to destroy your mind than it is. Listen, it's better to go fishing and think about God than it is to sit in church and think about going fishing. And I look over this congregation sometimes and I wonder at the, at the lack of your singing. Help me, Nate. The lack of your voices and wonder if you even know what we're talking about. Are you just bored out of your minds or do you realize we're singing about Jesus Christ? We're talking about the love of God. It ought to make you crazy. I don't know where you came from, but I was so bad. I'm very thankful just to be in the house. I don't have to be your pastor. I'm glad God saved me. God saved Jack's family. Now, Aaron has a little girl. And that little girl will not know some of the fears that we were raised under. Some of you that were raised with terror in your lives, f scared to death. Listen to me. I was scared to death when I was a kid that Jesus might come. If I ever went to my house and my parents weren't home, I thought that the rapture had happened, the word rapture, the second coming of the Lord. I thought I was left behind. I met yesterday the man who distributed the Left Behind series. And I said, aren't you glad God saved you from that lie? He said, I am. 
What church are you pastor of? I said grace place. I don't believe that, and I didn't use a good word. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I think he's the Savior. I think he's the Savior of us all. And now we've got a third generation that will not know that fear. Lucy will never have to wrestle with whether or not she's going to be left behind. She's not going to be left behind. He said, I don't leave anybody out. I'll leave 99 in the fold and go find the last one. Until I find it, I'll bring the last one home. If you've got somebody that you fear is lost, no, no, just hear me. His voice is now speaking in their spirit. He's right, he's right now calling their name. He's right now speaking to your children and your grandchildren and your friends and your fathers and mothers. He's speaking to them. You say, well, it doesn't look good. Hey, it took 4,000 years to get Jesus here. He's not done yet. The plan is marching on. God has a plan i got to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18 and 19. This is about the plan now. All this is from God. I'll wait on you. All this is from God. I'll say that third time. All this is from God. Who reconciled us, past tense, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. That ought to make somebody happy. At least smile. That makes me crazy. God reconciled me, us, to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's what this child's going to carry, a ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation did you read that i never heard that i wish somebody would have told me that when i was a kid i thought he counted all my sins against me he doesn't count any sins against us and has given us the ministry of reconciliation jump down to 21 please god verse 21 god made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, it was God's purpose, his foreknowledge. I'm going to move quickly now and not ask you to turn, but I have prepared Isaiah 53. Would you say Isaiah 53? Isaiah 53 prophesies of Jesus. It's the first verse, uh, Ray and Kathy Paradowski here, it's the first verse I had my grandchildren learn. Verse 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. How many of you believe that? We all like sheep have gone astray. Is there anybody who hasn't gone astray? Oh, everybody's hand down. How many of you have gone astray? Every one of us have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. Jack, exactly what you were saying just now. We've gone... And he laid on him, God laid on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. That was the plan. Verse 10 reads that it pleased the Lord to crush him. It pleased God to cause him to suffer. Now I'm going to get to the meat of the message and I'm going to finish him because this is about Lucy and you need to listen carefully. When he said to Mary... This, one's, this one is destined. This child is destined. 
You can let me die. I've seen the salvation of the Lord. But the last little part of that was, a sword will also pierce your heart. I tell you that it is in the plan of God to allow you to go through things you don't want to go through to make you what you need to be. Listen to me. It's not all roses. Listen, it's not all milk and cookies. Some of the things that you've been through have been on purpose by God in his plan to cause you to be the person he's making you to be. Do you understand? I've been so discouraged by stuff I've, that I was taught that when bad things happened, God was mad at me. That's not true. Sometimes you go through hell, it's because God loves you and he's trying to make something out of you. I'm going to tell you, listen to me, there will be a rising up of the oppressed. People that have been oppressed are going to rise up because God let the oppression of the children of Israel birth in them a desire for freedom. I'm speaking today specifically to women. I need a soprano, all ladies, amen. I'm saying to you ladies that the plan of God was to cause you to be absolutely free. Not underneath, not halfway, not unequal. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to prophesy, this child will not settle for less pay than a man. Along the way, things will happen, and God's plan is coming to pass where she will be free from fear, free, listen to me, from oppression, because something's happening in her grandpa and her grandma. Something's happening in her mother. You see, the plan is working out. Don't cuss the past. I don't want to go back and do it again. I would never want to go through some of that again. But I thank God for what he's made out of me today. Stay with me. I'm trying to finish. When God led Israel out of Egypt, they ended up with a mountain on one side, a mountain on the other side, and a furious army chasing them from behind, and in front of them was the sea. You know the story. The men in the army had lost their firstborn children the day before. God killed the firstborn of everybody in Egypt. These people are furious. They're crazed mad they're going to kill these Israelites. There's a mountain on one side. There's a mountain on the other. Here comes the army, and they're facing the Red Sea. You and I say to God, my Google on my phone has enough sense to keep me out of these kind of places. My phone is smart enough to put a red line on the highway when there's trouble and turn me off of the highway. Could you not have just led these people down I-94 and got them out of there? Are you kidding me? You did that on purpose? Yep, that's my plan. Get them into an impossible situation. Have them screaming and crying and losing their minds. Come on, every mother in the house needs to say amen. Every man that's ever tried to raise a teenager right now, you need to say amen. I'm caught in the middle of this. this is crazy. Why in the world? God, I'm going to kill somebody. On purpose. On purpose. Are you listening? This is fun for me. Gideon. The Bible says that the armies that came against Gideon were more than you could number. You could, it is impossible to count the men. That's what the Bible says. Gideon calls an army together, 32,000 people show up. 32,000 men against an innumerable army. 
God says you have too many men. All right, everybody that's afraid, Gideon says, everybody that's afraid, you go home. 22,000 men in the army intelligently backed out, leaving him 10,000. God said, you still have too many. And I'm going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? God reduces that to a 300-man army, and with 300 men, he defeats the Midianites and all of the Canaanite armies surrounding Israel. Why would you put somebody through such nerve-wracking, heart-stopping situations? You kidding me? God, is that the best plan you got? He said, no, it's the only plan I've got. And for this baby, Israel had been attacked and was being defeated by an army. And the prophetess Deborah says to Barak, Get an army together. We're going to defeat the enemy. Barak said, I'm not going unless you go. You know what Deborah said to Barak? You know what God's going to do? He's going to give this victory to a girl. A girl. What? Chariots. Terry and I went by a car the other day that had um, spikes sticking out the hubcap. Remember, Terry? She said, is that legal to have those spikes sticking out those hubcaps like that? I said, keeps you from driving close to his car, doesn't it? <laughs> they put those spikes on these chariots, and the chariots would just devour people and armies. And Deborah said, okay, I'm going to give this victory to a woman. And do you know the captain of the Syrian host, Sisera, ran to a woman whose name was J.L. and said, hide me, hide me. These guys are going to catch me and kill me. She said, oh, come on, dude. Come in here, lay down. She covered him up with a blanket, gave him some milk to drink. When he fell asleep, took a hammer and a tent peg and nailed the sucker's head to the ground. And Israel was delivered by a woman. Oh, God. I feel like there's something going on in this house today. Some of you are going to find your destiny and realize we can't have the victory without you. You've got to fulfill the plan of God in your life. We're not going to be. When Adam went to sleep into a deep sleep, God had already spoken and said, it's all very good, but there was something missing, and that was Lucy. you got to have a woman in the house. You gotta have somebody help me. I'm dedicating the ladies in this house today to the destiny that God has called you to. Think of David and Goliath, great story. David and Goliath. You know what I think in my head? You know that God opened the earth one time and, and actually swallowed up a bunch of rebellious people? Did you know that? You know what I think? God, could you just open the earth and let Goliath fall on the ground? Or how about we have a growth spurt here, Dave? Hey, Davey. Maybe you should wait. Maybe you should eat protein bars and stuff. Lift weights. Maybe you should grow. Right? I think when I face Goliath, maybe God should make me taller. Or maybe make him shorter. No, the plan is to face him just like that. How about, you know we call it Daniel and the lion's den? No, it's Daniel and a den of lions. There's a huge difference, you guys. A lion's den can be empty, but if it's a den full of lions, and I think to myself, hey, how about God loan me some steaks? And before I go down there, let me feed the cat. Is this the only plan you got? Me? Me? You want me to go in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Because uh, 2,500 years later, Sparky, we're calling it 
Daniel in the lion's den. And we got these little flannel graphs where we put the lions in the den and the Daniel, and he come, right? And we have him walk out of the steps and Daniel saved. Yeah, that's God's plan. My final one. Three Hebrew children. They decide, Jack, this is, I didn't know what you would say. The three Hebrew children said, we're going to serve the Lord. We are going to serve the Lord. The king says, either you bow down to my image, this image I've made of gold, my God, you bow down to that God, or I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. They said, we've decided we're going to serve God. He gets so mad, twice it says, he was in a rage. Do you know anybody's got a bad temper? Anybody know, you know somebody's got a bad temper? Yeah, maybe you. This guy's mad. He heats the furnace up seven times hotter than it's ever been. And I'm saying, okay, okay, God, send down the rain, Lord, send down the rain. Could you send me the rain? How about a fire truck? Let's invent fire trucks. Now's the time, God. How about a great big hose and a great big fire truck? Because I'm looking at a furnace and it's hot. Hey, how about a fireman's suit? Wouldn't they be cute on these three dudes? How about a fire suit? No. No? We're going to go in the fire. Yes, you're going in the fire. Why? Because I'll meet you in the fire. You can't protect her from everything. There's going to be times when your heart is grieved. But he's making something out of your daughter. That life and school and preschool and movies and stories won't make. James, you got a daughter that's been destined by God, born at just the right time. We're here today to dedicate her to God's plan. We're saying, by God, regardless of how crazy it may get, fiery lions, giants, trouble, corporate issues, women, misogyny, all of it. Raise her up, God. Somebody's going to break the ceiling. Somebody's going to make a freedom move. Somebody's going to fight. And I'm praying that on that girl right there. It's time at Grace Place for us to dedicate a young girl and the women in the house to the destiny that God has called you to. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes. To learn more about Grace Place, please visit our website at graceplacemn.org. Thanks for listening. May God bless you this week.